welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber, and I am happy to be joined once again for the first mm-hmm. time in 2019 by the one, the only, Mr. Paul Herman. Paul, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Sean. Happy New Year. And thank you so much for uh, biting the bullet for me a couple weeks ago from the last show. I was a, uh, I literally sounded like Mickey Mouse on crack. Um, it was crazy, uh, and I could not speak. If I, if I didn't feel good, I would still come on these shows. It's coming on here not feeling good is not a, a big of a deal to me. I can muster it up for a good, you know, forty five an hour. But if I can't speak. I have no choice, but I can't. I can't do it. So yeah, it is a legitimate injury to keep you out of podcasting. So yeah. it's not like you know, if we're going with our football analogies here, like that will yep. keep you out. So. Yeah, that's that's a high ankle yeah. uh, sprain. You know? Yeah, it's a quarterback <laughs> with a bum throwing arm. Like there's, yeah. there's not a lot you can do about it. Exactly. So uh, well, anyway, I'm glad that you are back. And before we get started, so what we're going to talk about this week, we're going to talk about. The Captain Marvel special look and some details from the set reports that came out this week. And then we'll also probably preview some things that we're looking forward to in 2019. And we're also going to announce what this year's version of the Road to Infinity War is going to be. So more on that later in the show. But Paul, before we get started with any of that, we have some people Mm. to thank. Thank you very much to Spencer. I'm not sure if it's Toykin or Toysen, Tyler Wood, and Josh Kaiser. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So thank you to those three, but also thank you you to everybody who's joined our Patreon, especially over the course of 2018 and then into 2019. When we started that and started doing exclusive content, we had no idea how it was going to take off, how people would respond, but... You've all done such an amazing job um, of really helping us build uh, a community there, and that's that's what it is. I mean, it's people mm-hmm. in the comment section and participating with each, having conversations with each other in the Q in the Q and A shows that we, that I do every week. And we also just launched a uh, a Discord for the Marvel Studios News Patreon. Oh. So that's another place for all of us to be chatting about that stuff. I need to get you on the Discord so you can come chat with everybody in there. Yeah, I had no I you this is the first time I had yeah. no idea. I gotta get yeah, on this. Well thing. it was it was a thing where it was just supposed to be a little pilot program to work out the kinks this month and then we were gonna go and do more of it uh in February. But it just kinda it's already taken off now. It's it's all come together a lot faster than I expected. So I'll definitely get you uh, on there, Paul. And everybody else you're you're welcome to join it for all information on the different kinds of exclusive content that we have. We have exclusive content starting at just a dollar a month. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Also, our patrons get access to this show uh, starting this year. They get access to the show 24 hours before it hits the rest of the internet. So tons of cool exclusive content and the Discord and everything else over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And I can promise you right now, I will be on this Discord. Like, if you guys see me on Twitter, like, I, I'm i all about conversations. So if yeah. there's, like, a, a, a nice conversation on Discord, I will be on that. So just be wary of that. Yeah, I will be on there quite a bit. I'm sure. I'm, I'm on there all the time. People don't even expect me to be on there, but I'm, I'm pretty much always lurking over nice. on uh, over on the Discord. So, Paul, let's talk about this special look for Captain Marvel. Uh you and I have both, I think overall we're both positive on the previous two Captain Marvel trailers. I yeah. think I might have liked them a little bit more. Yeah, you definitely liked them more than I. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I've loved them. You've at least liked them. We've still been yeah. overall positive on them. What did you think of this latest look that we got during the college football national championship game? Well, it's funny because I I was I'm not a college football guy, Sean, as you know. We've talked we talk football all the time and and you're more of a college football guy than I am. And I remember hearing that we're going to have this and I I I've, I've been trying to make more of an effort to watch college football playoffs and the and national cha- championship even though I just don't have as big of an interest as the NFL as people know, I'm a giant NFL guy. And I had no idea that Captain Marvel really was going to have <clears throat> this uh special behind the scenes look kind of thing and as people know, if we're not going to cover it on the show, um, I'm not going to watch it. Like I usually don't watch special feature stuff because I want to like try to stay as unspoiled as much as possible. Because again, I always go back to the fact that I know these characters pretty well already, and I don't need to be spoiled on anything or see anything because I know everything pretty much, and <clears throat> for the most part. And so uh, I had this on mute 
when we originally what when it originally aired. I, I kind of saw it from afar. I'm like, okay, doesn't look bad. And then Sean, you kind of brought to my attention today, like you got to watch this. We're talk. <laughs> I was like, oh crap, I got to watch this. So, um, which is fine. That's the only time I will is when Sean requests it, and I usually will grant him that. Um, so, I watched the trailer trailer just now, a uh, special look, if you will. I basically a trailer, and I gotta say. I, and I'm not just blowing smoke here. I actually think I like this more than the other trailers combined as far as it's giving me a perspective of Carol. Mm. And what I wasn't expecting was to see a little more of Carol's personality. And we get to see that a little bit. And I kind of, I'll be honest, I dug it a lot more. Um, I kind of wish they had a little bit of more of this in the trailers, especially the first one. I think the first trailer that came out for Captain Marvel didn't do Brie Larson any favors as far as what they chose to, sh- to show us in the trailer. The special look, if you're, if you're, if you're concerned about uh, Brie Larson, not smiling or her character, like this kind of portrayal, like I'll be honest. And I've been honest on the, on the, on the show. I haven't exactly been enthralled by her performance. Yeah, Again, the not smiling criticism was bogus from the get go because it's not a criticism that people have for, other trailers in which male superheroes don't smile at all in like that happens in trailers all the time. Yeah. Um, and as I said at the time, I mean, Marvel tends to go melodramatic with their trailers, especially the first one, unless it's going to be something that's just more, much more heavily comedic in nature, like a guardians of the galaxy or a Thor Ragnarok. Uh, when it's like that, then they'll go for the laughs right out the gate. But quite often we've seen in other films, they don't lean into the humor in their first trailer and part of the reason for that is marvel already has established with the audience that a certain amount of humor is always going to be in their films and so i don't think the audience ever walks in worried that there's going to be humor it's like okay what else can you sell me on and i think that's why sometimes marvel focuses on those other aspects and i said at the time that what we were seeing uh, it's not so much about smiling but just in terms of people for people who felt that brie larson's performance was just one-dimensional for whatever reason with that trailer. And my point at the time was because you're seeing one side of her, which is the Cree side, which, as I've mentioned over and over again, the Cree are serious as shit. So that's why you're Mm -hmm. seeing that. And then in this trailer, obviously, or this special look, I'm just now, like, I'm so over all the semantics of what's a teaser, what's a trailer, what's a special look, what's an extended look, what's a this, what's a that, whatever. (laughs) In this latest preview of Captain Marvel... Yeah, we did get to see more of not the Cree soldier, but Carol Danvers, like the actual human being who had a life on Earth. And yeah, to your point, like I, I loved it. It's not so much that I love this more than mm-hmm. the previous trailers. I like I like all of these different previews and all the different footage that Marvel has shared from this movie, all of it working together to show that this is a multidimensional character who's being performed very well by Brie Larson. And at the same time, this is a story that's going to have a broad tonal range. There's going to be humor. There's going to be sci-fi melodrama. There's going to be big cosmic action. This movie is going to have a lot of different things going for it. And I think we've seen that now. Uh, we're getting more of the you know the, the bigger picture or the, the total package of what this film is going to offer, minus, I'm sure, a bunch of secrets that are being saved for the movie itself. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, when I, when I was watching it, I just liked seeing that a different side of a personality. We saw the serious side, like you said, the Cree side, if you will. And what I love the interactions they had. Um, I love the interactions that, that, that she had with Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. And I thought that that was appropriate. Like I, I like, I have to say I, I did an out loud giggle and I don't mean that in disrespect. I, like I giggled when she said, you know, scrolls, you know, do, you know, you know, whatever. And she, he blo- she uses her photon blast. Yeah. He goes, how do I know scrolls can't do that? She goes, and he, he's, he's kind of smirks at him. And I, I thought that was cute. And, you know, like that whole part was great. Um, you know, when she tells him, you know, do you, how, do you have your logo out, out on all your clothes? If, if you're a covert like op- operation, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Like there's some cool stuff in there. I'm like, okay. I get it now. Like Carol's a little bit, has some sass on her. Okay. Like, this is good. Like, I like that. And it was, it was nice to see that. And, and granted, like I wasn't a fan again, I, I, 
I wasn't a fan of the portrayal of Carol completely in the first trailer as far as what they showed. Again, it's the first trailer. I kind of I gave it the benefit of the doubt, but I definitely understood where people were coming from at least. But at the same time, the second trailer I thought was really cool. I, I liked it. I didn't love it like you did, but this I now I'm like all more on board. I'm like, okay, now I understand where they're going with it. I liked seeing a little more of Jude Law interact with people mm-hmm. and everything. So it was or with Carol, I should say. Uh it was just it was it was a better view of kind of where we're getting people from a from a character development standpoint. And I think that is kind of what I needed because I I know Marvel's gonna give me the goods as far as the action. What when have they not delivered? I mean, even Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I thought is maybe one of the weaker Marvel films put out ever, had some great moments and action moments in it. And I don't it's it's not greatly paced, in my opinion, and ha- it lacks some things, but it, it still has great moments of action and special effects in it. So I, you know, seeing that stuff in the trailers for Captain Marvel doesn't concern me, or I never, I never was concerned about that. It was more of again the characterization of Carol and seeing the character development, the interactions with people. The little I got in this uh, special look was was like really it satisfied me and go okay I get it and I love. I love – actually, I'm starting to kind of warm up to the demeanor of Carol, the fact that she is a little bit more re- reserved and a little more of a little, little sassy, but in a sassy in a sense to where she's not like laughing it up, but she's more of just like kind of a, 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 a smartass, if you will, you know? And so – I like it's just that. a bit more of a it's just a bit more of a dry delivery. Exactly. Than, Thank you. you know, yes. So like it, it's she's got quips like Iron Man's got quips or Star Lord's got quips or so many people in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just about everybody's got quips. But it is a little bit more of a a dry sense of humor, or a little more of a sarcastic sense of humor. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I, I've, I, I had no doubt that all this stuff was going to be there. It was just a matter of what. Marvel was choosing to show us and, and when, and I'm glad that they had this trailer, this special look. I don't really think this was a response to criticisms that have been out there for the trailer. I think this Agreed. was the plan all yeah. along, which was just because Marvel, they're not, they don't normally react to external pressures. They have their plan and they stick with it. And so I think they knew, they knew from the very beginning that they were going to get two trailers and this, and then maybe something else, maybe a Super Bowl spot or something else down the line between now and when this movie comes out. But I think they wanted to introduce people to this movie, this character, uh, this entire new world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They wanted to introduce it to everybody in little, small doses and just build uh, just build the excitement more and more. And I think it's been working. I think it's been successful. If you look at the way Captain Marvel in that Fandango poll was number two uh, behind only Avengers Endgame for most anticipated films, uh, of the year ahead of Star Wars Episode Nine, ahead of Spider-Man Far From Home, Lion King, all these other major movies that everybody's so excited about this year. Uh, and then also you have the movie having the third highest uh, first day pre-sales on Fandango in Marvel Studios history behind only Infinity War and Black Panther. Clearly the marketing for this movie has been working. And that's not all based on Monday's special look. That includes the other two trailers. And I think that's the other thing that we tend to lose sight of in in all of this is that the trailers, as much as we will talk about them, I mean, we'll do an entire podcast spending a long time talking about a trailer that's a minute and a half like we're doing now. Uh, But it's not really for us, Paul, because like we're we're buying our tickets anyway. You know, these trailers, all of this marketing, all, all this material, it's for the people who are not the easy sell, for the people who are not the automatic ticket buy. And it seems like a lot of this marketing has been has been working for those people. Yeah, I, you know it's funny because people are I've seen online from other people on, uh, on Twitter that their theaters are selling out of Captain Marvel, which is surprising to me because I I don't I don't think this was going to be a, a big att- I, I I felt like this was going to be it would have legs after the fact more than it would be a box office sensation out the gate like. I expected a l- around Doctor, maybe at best around Doctor Strange numbers, maybe a little bit, l- um, you know, less than that. But somewhere, if it got around that, I think that's a giant success because again, oh, definitely, Captain Marvel, 
Definitely. Captain Marvel is not a you know well known property, but I'm seeing people say that like you know people are retweeting stuff that their theaters are sold out. I have not bought my tickets yet. It's mainly because I don't know who I'm going with. I don't have a lot of people to watch movies out here with. My wife hates superhero movies for the most part, and uh, I'm my buddy Jim, which I'll probably ask him to do it. Um, yeah, I'm. I've got myself and uh seven other people going on opening night uh but that's awesome. that's my normal marvel crew is i've and it's i call mm. it my crew it's my family like we go <laughs> it's uh, your crew. we go on opening night for marvel movies there's usually eight of us uh who go and so yeah i just it was an automatic thing as soon as tickets went on sale i just grabbed them uh mm. and yeah i i think i thought this movie was going to do really well um, I would caution everybody to not expect $200 million plus openings for, or $200 million plus opening for Captain Marvel. It's a little premature for that because some of the, you know, part of the reason why these ticket pre-sale records keep getting set is because of higher interest in Marvel movies, but also there just continues to be a growing percentage of the audience that buys their tickets in advance online, which is why Ant-Man and the Wasp, by the way, has the fifth highest first day sales for a Marvel movie on Fandango but it has the 16th best opening weekend. So Captain Marvel will do better than Ant-Man and the Wasp, which was $75.8 million for its opening, but it's not guaranteed to go above Civil War, which is the fourth highest first day at like $179 million, or match, of course, Black Panther or Infinity War. But I do think Captain Marvel is probably going to open near, or but I actually think it's going to be over $100 million, and it might be way over $100 million, and that's been more in line with what I've been expecting for the film. I think it's going to do well. I think there it's I don't think it's going to be as big as Black Panther, but I do think there is an audience that's been waiting for this movie from Marvel even if they didn't know they were waiting for this specific character. And I think people are going to be excited about it. Part of the thing that that uh, kind of caught my attention is my wife always watches these trailers cuz she knows I cover them and, and I talk about them so she wants to see the trailers, but all three previews for Captain Marvel, she's really loved and been way more excited than she usually is after she sees mm. a Marvel trailer. Normally she's like, okay, that looks cool. We'll go see it, which is a given. We're going to go see it. Uh, <laughs> but in this one, she's like, I want to see that. Uh, and really like, you know, and really buzzing about it after these trailers. And so I think this one is reaching because uh, my wife, again, she watches this stuff and she would watch these movies even if she wasn't with me, but it's still more of a, she's still more of a mainstream moviegoer in that respect. Mm -hmm. uh, and it seems like Captain Marvel has her really excited. And I think, granted, that's only one anecdote, but I think that example, there are probably more and more people who are, who are like that. By the way, I just bought my ticket for seven o'clock IMAX showing. Uh, so yeah, so there you go. I, I'm going by myself, which is pretty, pretty standard these days. Um, yeah, no, there's this movie I feel... Hey, going by I, yourself, that's I do that a lot for Marvel movies for my repeat I, trips, and those are the best trips because they are stress-free. I don't got to worry about what anybody's doing. <laughs> I, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I like, you know, yeah, I'm one of actually, those people... Well, opening night in general is just my favorite. It's, it's the best energy. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm one of those people who likes to do a little bit of both. I don't, I don't really, I don't have no problem going, going by myself, but yeah. I like, I do like the, the go with my friends, especially who are, like, comic book fans you know i've seen sure, yeah i've seen uh i see you know one of the people chris clow one of our friends uh a good friend chris chris clow i saw aquaman with him and his wife um back in december and it was great but i had these guys sitting next to me and you know it was nice because chris calmed me down because if it wasn't for like chris i probably would have gotten this guy's face because they kept laughing at everything and it was like it was good to have chris there to help me out and that guy sucks. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, no, it was, I just I like going with people, and I like I like, uh, yeah, I I just uh, but at the same time I do I don't mind going by myself, especially with someone like with uh, someone like this movie. It's like well, and so yeah, I, I decided what we we're talking. I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy my ticket, and and to be to be honest, I just checked out this, the 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 first IMAX showing on Thursday. It's not sold out, but this is reserved seating, by the way. So yeah. I got to see what was it's pretty full already mm -hmm. so i will venture to say it'll be sold out probably in the next couple months like it'll be it'll be sold out before the the release date yeah well uh, especially in, in imax theaters they usually take a long time to sell out because to sell out completely because we all know that when you go to an imax theater there are a lot of seats that are straight garbage 
So mm-hmm. the actual, was the kind of a smaller, a smaller IMAX. Yeah, the actual will. like view worthy seats, those tend to go pretty quick. Um, but yeah, no, I think the, I think the movie's going to do very well. Uh, and I think the marketing for the film has been working very well so far. And, and I think we're going to see that represented with a very big opening weekend uh, in at least domestically. And we'll see what it looks like in the rest of the world. But I think domestically, uh, Captain Marvel is positioned to do very, very well. Uh, but let's talk about some additional things that came up, not as part of this footage, but the next day, Tuesday morning, Disney and Marvel lifted the embargo for everybody who visited the set of Captain Marvel. And so there were a couple of things that were talked about in here. We're not going to go through all of the material because there's so much in those set visits. We'd be here forever. But some of the big things, uh, and the first one that I want to call out is something, Paul, you and I have discussed many, many times is something we want to be in this movie. Um, but it was name-dropped in here in some way, shape, or form, Paul, the Kree Supreme Intelligence is in the movie. How awesome is that? It depends on what the Kree Supreme Intelligence is in the movie. Uh, you know, like I want the big floating head. So well, we have we sh- If it's not the big floating head, then it's it. Is this going to be like Dormammu? Uh, oh wait, I just they sell. Did I say his name it's wrong? It's not so much Dormammu. But you didn't well, say it it's right. Dormammu. It's, it's Dormammu. I, yeah. See, I did, I did my it's own not version. that, but who's the one? If, and this is just me speculating here. This isn't me the, like saying, like, oh, I know this is who it is. But who's the one telling Carol what's up in the second trailer? It's Annette Benning. So what if Annette Benning is the Cree Supreme Intelligence? See, if it's a shape that. If, if it's it, like a hologram, you know, is I'm it down. is it like a you know a human manifestation of the Kree Supreme Intelligence? Exactly. If it ends up being like pretty close to the comic book version, but that's just like kind of a ruse, one hundred percent into it because that would make that would be cool because that would lure Carol in to working with the Kree. And then when she finds out, like, oh, they've been hiding, like, because Cree. I mean, there's good and bad Cree, right? But like, yeah. but I also is- still think she's Carol's mom, and that could mean that she's like Carol's mom and the Cree Supreme Intelligence. <laughs> like, oh, dude, that like- could be a lot of things in this movie. I I like to th- if she is or isn't. I just all I gotta say is they have to keep a comic book like accurate. They have to. Like, it doesn't. Like, what's the point of showing it? I mean, what's the point? It- Look, we've seen it before. It happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on occasion. Some things are just rethought and reimagined more so than others. And uh, the truth is that the Kree Supreme Intelligence could be part of it. And, I I mean, look, I want to see that giant floating head so bad. I mean, I wanted Ben Mendelsohn to be the Kree Supreme Intelligence. Um, I'm happy enough (laughs) that he's Talos and he's a scroll. But when he was first cast, we first started hearing reports uh, that he was going to be in this movie— I was really hoping for the Kree Supreme Intelligence. So I've wanted that floating head this whole time that we've been talking about this movie. Uh, but unfortunately, I mean, well, I don't want to say unfortunately. It's not that I, I don't think that we're going to see the floating head. There's just a chance that we won't. But it comes down to what it always comes down to. How does it work in the film? Right. Uh, because there are certain things about the Kree Supreme Intelligence that I like. It's not just the visual of the giant floating head. But the Kree Supreme Intelligence is also very cold and very calculating because it has basically all of the knowledge that the Kree have attained throughout their entire history. And so it's very dispassionate in the way that it processes information and disseminates information. And so if we get some of that, uh, then and if we get the personality of the Kree Supreme Intelligence in whatever the Kree Supreme Intelligence looks like in this movie, then I can be happy enough with that. But uh, if... Uh, if maybe we don't, if we don't get anything at all that reminds me of the Kree Supreme Intelligence, either in terms of demeanor or in the aesthetic, then I might be. It's not so much that it would ruin the movie for me, but it would be one of those things that, just as a comic book fan, it would be. It would be an aw shucks. If it's like a, if it's like Dormammu from Doctor Strange, I can kind of live with it because at least he's somewhat accurate, like in the comic books. The comic book version is one thousand times better from the from for Doctor Strange, uh, Dormammu. That is, and maybe that's part of the reason the Kree Supreme Intelligence doesn't get to be a giant floating head, is they made Dormammu a giant floating head. Well, that, that was yeah, whatever. That's that's a whole other podcast. But here's the deal with with the Supreme Intelligence. 
you I think you have to make it I, I to me it just it doesn't it, there's no point not to put him as a comic book accurate character because that's kind of like the whole point of the character. He's like this otherworldly thing that kind of runs the Kree yeah. Empire. You know, and but he's so also ultimately just a giant computer and a giant computer could take the form of anything. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I would I would be very disapp- I'll be very disappointed if it's not at least some give me something. If it's if they at least try, I'll be happy. Like I, that's again, a for effort. I always will give an a for effort, to be honest. Sure. Even Dormammu was it, I, I like the comic version better, but at least they, they had the idea. Right. It wasn't just like, you know. A cloud like in Fantastic Four rises the silver well, surface yeah, for Galactus, I mean, you know. I mean, but which we know Marvel Studios won't do. But yeah, what I if like, the Kree Supreme Intelligence is a cloud, then I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm just but, standing so up and walking out. So here's the thing: I I want something close to it. If it's if it's not, and if it's a net bending, they just call her that. I'm gonna be like, what? No. So we'll we'll see. What I'm worried about. I guess about, it depends on how like Annette Benning is. Like if she's just like super cold and whatever, like if she maybe seems warm to Carol at first and then something else happens where all of a sudden she's just like ice cold computer, then mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Because then that will mm-hmm. remind me of the Cree Supreme Intelligence, even if visually it doesn't look like it. But if it's just Annette Benning being nice and motherly to Carol the entire time and she's the Kree Supreme Intelligence, then that's not really a representation of that character in the comics. Yeah, but even even without the visual, some kind of visual thing, it just it just seems like lazy. And also, it almost feels like it could it, she could be the, playing that character and not change at all. Because look at um, Nova Prime in the comic yeah. books; like Nova Prime is like actually like a Nova. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's actually like a legitimate Centurion Nova like superhero. Where in the movie, she's just like you know. Yeah, a, a general. Which again, in and in, in, in that con, it, it wasn't at least when when Richard Ryder was Nova Prime, that's what he was. I don't know. I don't know my Nova suit. I don't have a super deep history of Nova, but I'm pretty sure it looked more like a superhero than what um, Glenn Close did. But at the same time, you know, like that, it worked in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But the supreme, the Kree supreme intelligence is like. A way more established, like this oh, is a totally. giant floating head. So I mean, a hundred percent. So let's let's hope that Marvel has got something up their sleeve, and and with they've surprised us before. I mean, it also you know I'm starting to kind of backtrack a little bit, Sean, because we're also getting Ego, the Living Planet. Look at that. I mean, they gave a little bit of a nod for a, a couple of seconds exactly, of that, but most but really, of it was a human manifestation yeah. of it. So, so you know what? I'm going to say it probably isn't at Benny and it's probably going to suck. So I'm just going <laughs> to say it. So, I'm not, well, maybe, I'm more, you know, maybe it's not Annette Benning. Maybe Annette Benning is something else or maybe, you know, whatever, but you know, sure. or maybe what happens is it's kind of that ego thing where we see like the Cree Supreme intelligence is like this giant floating head. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you see some light beam out of it and Annette Benning's there. You know, it could be something like that. I mean, I I understand why. And and because it's Marvel Studios and they've been so faithful in so many respects, I know occasionally there are departures. Some things are casualties of that process of adapting from page to screen. And I know that when they change something, it's not the motivation isn't because they just don't think it works in the movie or that they're embarrassed by it. Like maybe it, you know, like maybe we see in other adaptations, but from Marvel's perspective, I usually trust that when they change things, it's because they legitimately feel like it's the best thing for that particular story that they're telling or the bigger story in the Marvel cinematic universe. And there are just some things where they need, you know, there are just some areas where they need to stray uh, a little further from the source material and they're normally very good about choosing, about picking their spots uh, when it comes to where and when they do those kinds of things. And so if they stray a little further in the case of the Kree Supreme Intelligence, and that just happens to be one of the times that I wish they hadn't strayed quite as far, I can still I can still live with that. I'm not going to be, I might be, again, a little disappointed as a comic book fan, but not going to blow it out of proportion and get to the point of, of all the way hating the movie, because this movie is not about the Cree uh, Supreme Intelligence. Well, right. I mean, I'm not going to, and again, I, I will just be very disappointed 
and with that aspect of it. And and I've been disappointed with Marvel here and there with some of their stuff they decide to do. And it's not all the time, but sometimes. And, you know, I'm I'm very much keep keep the comic keep it comic accurate because those designs are are to me timeless. And I think the Cree Supreme Intelligence has survived this long because it's a really, you know, I, I believe it's Jack Kirby design and it looks amazing, yeah. you know, I and totally I totally agree. And I think, and that's why I want, I want them to stick, stick to this. It's not because I'm like, no, yeah, it's gotta be, cause it just has to be. No, it's, it's gotta be cause it looks awesome. Like yeah, that's no, I, I, <laughs> that, I that part I totally get. I want to see the damn floating head cause I love that floating head in the comic books. It's amazing. Uh, the other thing that I want to touch on from the set reports, as I said, there's a lot, but there's only one other thing I want to highlight before we start talking about yeah. 2019 uh, beyond Captain Marvel, and that is Secret Invasion. So executive producer Jonathan Schwartz, when he was talking about it, uh, said that you know they're not going that nobody should go into this movie wondering which one you know which superhero is a scroll and you know because Carol it's it's her first hero this is her and she's the first superhero to show up on earth at least since Captain America was frozen and just said really in more of a vague way you know are we planting seeds for future movies yes so we shouldn't necessarily expect a full scale secret invasion at least i don't think anytime soon but maybe there are seeds being planted here that could lead to or present an opportunity for a secret invasion storyline uh, later on in the MCU. So my question to you, Paul, is this. Generally speaking, like how how amped are you for a secret invasion event in the MCU? Well, I can tell you right now, uh, I, I don't want them to use secret invasion like someone else has uh, already mentioned. Um, well, no, you shouldn't use you know, secret invasion. I, I, I don't like the idea of using, you know, scrolls to, to recast. I know that that's like the horrible. <laughs> well, I know that that idea has been floated out before it's not, it's come from, you know, it's been a fan idea that's been floated out a few different times. And my stance on, on recasting and how to address that stuff, it's just never changed. I don't like the idea of wasting narrative on explaining a recasting because everybody knows what you're doing anyway. Yep. Uh, the best thing you can do is either not acknowledge it at all or very quickly acknowledge it and move on like they did with Rhodey in Iron Man 2. And again, not acknowledging it at all with Bruce Banner when they, when you know, yeah. it's not Edward Norton who shows up in the Avengers. You just keep it going. Uh, yeah. But I also think that Marvel's strategy when it comes to recasting, it's not changing which actors are playing the same characters. It's changing which characters are at the forefront of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We see the transition happening right now. We've spent the better part of 10 years with Iron Man, Cap, and Thor, and the next 10 years are going to be led by people like T'Challa, Carol Danvers, uh, maybe Peter Parker, if they can keep extending the Spider-Man deal, uh, and other characters, Eternals, other characters are going to be, uh, that are going to be introduced as well as characters who still have relatively fresh franchises like Doctor Strange. These are the characters that are going to be leading things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so they don't have to recast Tony. He can just go away. Steve can just mm -hmm. go away. Maybe eventually, way down the line, they recast it, but certainly, no, I, I don't think that you know the Secret Invasion should be used for that. But just in the general idea of just having a Secret Invasion storyline, it's certainly a, a. I think it's a decent option. It's not one of the most exciting Marvel events to me. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think it could be fun, but I just don't think it's something that I would want to see Marvel jump into right now. It's now that the scrolls have been introduced, they can do a secret invasion storyline at any point if they want to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't. I just don't see a need to do that until later in Phase Four or Phase Five. I certainly don't think. Uh, you know, they should be I'm glad they're not doing it here in, in Captain Marvel. And I certainly don't think they should be tying any of that stuff into Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I'm one of the people that you'll probably hear criticize Secret Invasion the most. Uh, it when it was first announced by uh, written by Brian Bendis, I wasn't super on board with it. And it was OK, but it definitely mixed with a lot of continuity issues as far as like. Like in the comic books, there's um, Hank Pym does a lot of stuff in Civil War, and later on it's revealed in Secret Invasion that it's actually a scroll. And it kind of, 
it's kind of it kind of ruins a little bit of Civil War for me, and and some of the character uh, the character decisions that that they decide to go with. Mm-hmm. He kind of you know, and I did never like that, and I also didn't like the fact that like the one cool thing about I thought Secret Invasion that I don't really think you can do in this movie or in these in the in the MCU is have other Super Scrolls besides the Super Scroll, you know, the Fantastic Four one. And they had like they had like Avengers scroll uh, super scrolls and X Men super scrolls and to me I just don't think you can do that and pull it off very well in the movie and I just don't think it's that engaging of a story to well, be honest. I, I think you bring up a good point though, like when you talk about how finding out that somebody's a scroll in a comic book that can be kind of disappointing, but I think that disappointment increases exponentially in a movie. You know, just like you know, some people say, yeah. well, what if we find out? that Captain America has been a scroll this entire time or Iron Man has been a scroll this entire time, that would suck. That would be so disappointing to find out that the person you've invested in either this entire time or for a significant chunk of the movies you've been watching in the MCU, uh, the adventures that you went on with that character, that they weren't themselves. Like, that would really suck. Like, I, I think that would be so... Uh, I just I can't see how that would be satisfying for moviegoers. I don't think that would really go over. It wouldn't go over well with me, and I don't think it would go over all that well with general audiences. So I think if you're going to do Secret Invasion, the hard part is like how are you going to let people be scrolls and have it mean something? Because if you mm-hmm. if you go too far with it and you try to say that a character that audiences have liked for a long time is a scroll, uh, you know it's you run the risk of of really upsetting people with that because. That's actually a case where people, where a movie that's out now can ruin movies that were out before. A lot of times yeah. it's just ridiculous when people try to make those arguments. But in that case, it can because it could be changing who it actually was that you were watching in uh, in a previous film. So I think it's a very difficult line to walk with Secret Invasion. I think there's potential, uh, but I also think it's something that Marvel probably would be better off taking their time with that I've never really bought much into the idea uh, that they would be rushing into it with Captain Marvel being the movie that we see right before Endgame. I'd be shocked if we get uh, a lot of scroll involvement in Endgame, if any, and I certainly don't think it would be on a on the scale of a Secret Invasion. Yeah, and Secret Invasion, I feel like, is just you have to really earn it with the scrolls, and I mm-hmm. feel like with one film, it's going to be Man, hard no to way. sell to sell to like to an Avengers team because to me, it would you be like only... if Avengers Two was Infinity Gauntlet, like. Yeah. Would it have worked? Pro- yeah. Yeah. Would it have but been it, nearly as satisfying as Infinity War? Hell no. Exactly. Exactly. It's just one of those things where it's one of those things where you just don't really you don't really need to do it. Unless the scroll unless Captain Marvel blows us away with the scrolls and they're great characters and you know, like we all love them and, and they can have a great story that can, you know, make the shape shifting aspect work. Because here's the problem when you're a shapeshifter it's it's a cheap let's be real it's a cheap move and when and, and when i say that i don't mean it like if you have that in your story it's it's like automatically cheapens it and it's stupid mm-hmm. but what i mean is you can only go to the well so many times yeah and and so like we already have loki can you know put doubles of himself and and pretend to be different people you know a bunch so to me it's like you know you gotta be careful when you write those stories. And you and could right have now, Mystique coming in with the X Men. Yeah, although, exactly. Given that Mystique has been used so much recently in the X Men films, and even before the most recent version, I think Mystique probably gets to rest a while in in the MCU X Men. But which is fine with me. To be yeah, honest. no, I, oh. I think we've seen plenty. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, we've already seen people posing as others, and which is not to say everything the scrolls do is is played out, but. It is, uh, it's not, to me, there's so many other things that could potentially be more exciting than Secret Invasion, at least immediately. Again, if it's something we build to, then sure, it could be interesting down the line. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to in 2019, and I'm going to start by talking about what we're going to be talking about on the show this year. So we do have some commentary tracks coming up that we'll be scheduling with some of our patrons who wanted to join us for a commentary track because that is a tier that's available over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So we have some commentary tracks coming up, uh, but everybody's been one. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but some <laughs> listeners have, have reached out and wondered what we might do as uh, this year's version of the road to Infinity War. Now, I think most or probably all of you listening 
know what we did when it came to uh, Infinity War last year. That was when we brought back the podcast. It had been on hiatus for most of 2017. And so when we brought it back in 2018, we went down the road to Infinity War, which really was just a trip down memory lane for Paul and I. We talked about all the movies up to Infinity War, we, but we didn't just revisit the films themselves. We spent a lot of time talking about our experience when it came to the anticipation for those films, and then, of course, seeing those movies for the first time. And so we just did that a year ago. So we're not going to do that again. We're not going to go back through every movie one by one and just go over those experiences again because those Road to Infinity War episodes, they're still available. You can go back and listen to it. Not much will have, uh, would have changed yeah. <laughs> in those conversations. But what we are going to do is we're going to take our cue from Doctor Strange when he says we're in the end game now. Mm. We are going to put the major MCU characters into their own individual end game as we lead into Avengers Endgame. So it's going to be week by week, we will take a different character and we will discuss their entire trajectory, their character arc throughout every story that we've seen them in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and also try to figure out and make predictions for what their endgame is going to be. So we'll do a show about Iron Man. We'll do a show about Captain America and Thor. And for some people, for some characters, maybe they don't have as long of an arc because they are newer additions. But for plenty of them, especially for the original six who were all left alive after the snap, uh, there's plenty to discuss for all of them and even plenty of the characters who are uh, who have been snapped and we expect to return. So we're going to be going character by character and looking at uh, everything that's been done with them and examining some of the the best moments and the key turning points for those characters. And as I said, trying to figure out what their end game uh, not necessarily should be. It should be whatever Marvel Studios is going to tell us that it is when we watch the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. But we're going to see at least what our best guess at what we think the end game will be for each of those characters. So that will be kind of the main theme of the podcast for the first few months of the year. As I said, there will be some other things that get mixed in. There will be some commentary tracks. There will be, uh, a Captain Marvel spoiler review, obviously, at some point in there. Uh, but, you know, Road to Infinity War was our theme at the beginning of 2018. So for 2019, uh, our theme is going to be putting these different characters in their endgame. So anyway, that's what you can look forward to from the Marvel Studios News podcast. <laughs> uh, but, Paul, just looking at the year that, that's up ahead, mm, what are some of the, yeah. you know, what's one thing that just stands out to you that you're, that you're really excited about? Besides Captain Marvel, I think we've, we've covered that. <laughs> right, right. Well, to be honest, um, I think Endgame's really easy to pick. Yep. But I'm going to say probably Far From Home. Because um, Spider-Man had a, a real renaissance year of 2018, and you know, I I can't I honestly can't think of a better year Spider-Man had besides maybe the first uh, live-action film in 2002 coming out. Um, he had a year like none other. He had an amazing, huge selling video game that was yeah. Movies, critically successful. Video games, yeah, like just yeah, it was Spider-Man was everywhere. Yeah, and, and for good reason. And there, and to be honest, even you know, Venom was a, isn't a great movie, but well, but that's the thing is more of the mythology was present because of exactly. Venom because of Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just you know, as everyone knows, Spider Man's probably my favorite all time fictional character ever, and um, so I'm on this real, real Spider Man, even more of a, a greater Spider Man kick because of all 2018. So. Far from home, they have not. It's it's really intriguing to me for what we're hearing. Um, you know the fact that it's they're making Mysterio and Spider Man be a team up at, at least at first sounds super fascinating to me and different. And I love this idea what they're doing. It's one thing that I love about what Marvel Studios is doing is they're giving us Spider Man. And it's not conventional. It's not the you know six sixteen universe where. He's going to be, you know, learning by himself. He's a loner. You know, again, he teams up with people like in the comic books um, right. or in, in the movies. But like he's a lot more of a 
again, he's affected by the greater Avengers like stuff before. And I, and I don't mind it because it makes sense to what, what they're doing. And the reason I bring all this up is because now they're going to, they're, they're teaching Peter that he would normally learn through a different Avenue in the mm-hmm. comic books. They're having them learn through a different Avenue through the films. And I feel like far from home is going to teach Spider-Man what it's like and how to trust people and how you can trust certain people and how other people you can't trust. And Spider-Man had to learn that in the comic books, you know, in in a harsh way. And in this movie, we're going to see that I think in a really harsh way. And we're going to see Peter get his heart broken for the first time by someone he really trusts in as a Spider-Man. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I feel like that's what the, the, and again, that core element that you learn as a young adult, that's hard. Again, that whole idea of a coming of age story as Spider-Man is really fascinating to me. And they're going to do that. I feel like that's what, and so the first movie, you're kind of, you learn that not everything is as it seems. And, you know, you got to be. Spider-Man, even though like, he, he, you know, the, the authority figures took away what, mm-hmm. you know, what he thought was it, who he was, he learned to be himself and be bigger than him and be Spider-Man, um, even though through adversity. And that's something that, again, another coming age of age story that, again, that Spider-Man does well, not conventional through the comic books, but through the, a different lens of the MCU. Again, the core was there. I dug it. Not everyone, not every hardcore Spider-Man fan loved that. In Far From Home, I feel like that's what we're going to get. We're going to get the idea that it's going to, you can't trust. He's going to get his trust as Spider-Man destroyed for the first time. And that's going to be heart-wrenching. And I can't wait to see that. So to me, even though I've seen nothing from Far From Home, I have no right. idea what Jake Hall looks like from as Mysterio. We hear the fishbowls there. That's all. I'm, I'm good with that. And I love Jake Gyllenhaal. And so um, I'm really excited. That's probably as far as Marvel films, what I'm most excited about is Far From Home. As far, excuse me. I mean, Endgame is like, it's Endgame. Well, Endgame you know? is the obvious number one. Right. I mean, it's... Exactly. It's, we all know, and we all know why. Um, you know, we've been building this. It'll be 11 years, just about by the time the movie comes out. 22nd movie. And, of course, with everything that happened in Infinity War, everything that we've been building to the entire time, and for all the things that we're going to be talking about when we go through uh, so many of these different characters in the weeks to come, yes, Endgame is Avengers Endgame is the obvious number one thing that I'm looking forward to the most this year. Uh, and obviously, Captain Marvel, and for all the reasons that we talked about before, and I'm also excited to see how Captain Marvel performs and to just see Carol Danvers have her day. Um, but with Spider-Man Far From Home, I'm intrigued by this idea. At first, when I was hearing that idea of, of Spider-Man teaming up with Mysterio, I thought, eh, is Marvel trying to set us up for the least surprising villain turn ever? Uh, I don't know. Like, I hope they find it. But if the story's good enough, I guess it doesn't matter if it's not that surprising if, uh, you know, when Mysterio inevitably turns. Uh, and I do hope he turns, though. I don't want him to just be a good guy the entire time. <laughs> I don't like, I do want Mysterio to be uh, an antagonist ultimately, but what's also interesting about Mysterio positioning himself as an ally to Spider-Man is that it actually makes his costume make more sense because this crazy extravagant costume that's maybe like the flashiest costume of any character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up till this point with everything that's going to be in that costume plus the fishbowl, why would a villain wear that costume? Well, a villain would wear that costume if they want everybody to see them as a hero. You know, if the villain wants to be perceived as a superhero, he would give himself a costume that kind of looks like a superhero or looks a lot like a superhero on steroids in terms of, uh, you know, how much is, is involved in uh, in Mysterio's costume. So I do like it from that. Uh, I certainly like it from that aspect. Now, other things that I'm looking forward to this year, I'm looking forward to Marvel finally being able to open their mouth about what they're doing because we've just been in this, it's been this silence for for the most part for like the four and a half years uh, since, or it will be four and a half years between that El Capitan presentation in October of 2014 and when Avengers Endgame comes out. And so Marvel's been so tight lipped ever since then and been increasingly tight lipped the closer we've been getting to the end of Phase 3 with Avengers Endgame. So I kind of like that 
Granted, Kevin Feige's never going to spill all the state secrets when he's being interviewed and stuff, but I do like that Marvel might actually be willing to share more again. I know there will, of course, there will still be mysteries to keep, but as far as their future plans, because there's so much that's going on and so much that's being developed, and Marvel kind of has to act like either they're not happening or if they're not, if they are happening, they're not as far enough along as they actually are. You know, Kevin Feige on that playback podcast with Chris Tapley recently was talking about Black Widow and Eternals as if they're things that are in development with directors attached. No, those are two movies that are shooting this year. So it'll be nice when Marvel can finally say, this is what we've got going on. And I am excited about uh, Black Widow getting into production with Kate Shortland directing and uh, Chloe Zhao directing Eternals and getting uh, that going uh, when that goes into production later this year. And then to hear about all the Disney Plus stuff, because we've heard about Loki. Uh, That one's been confirmed. But we've also heard about Vision and Scarlet Witch, and we've heard about Bucky and Falcon, but neither of those series have been confirmed. And we could actually see them being confirmed uh, officially as soon as April, because Disney's doing an investor day in April that is largely going to be about Disney Plus demoing the app itself and also talking about the content that's going to be on the streaming service. So I think we might hear about some stuff in April, but even if we don't, at some point this year, whether that's Comic-Con in July or uh, D23 Expo in August, we're going to hear about the near future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know if Kevin Feige is ever going to go as crazy as uh, announcing a five-year slate again. I don't know if he's going to do that, but we'll at least know what the next few years, you know, the next two or three years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, are going to be in terms of the movies that we're going to get and maybe what we're going to get beyond movies uh, with the limited series. It'll just be nice for the people who are making this stuff to be able to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, you know, that's going to be really interesting. It certainly helps our show when they can talk a little more about it and give us things to talk about. Well, I mean, well, I feel like the it's going to get leaked out before – I feel like a lot of the stuff does, and I feel that whatever. Well, pro- I mean, Black Widow might even be shooting before Avengers Endgame hits theaters. Yeah, I mean, we we don't know. I think that as far as like Fox, you know, the Fox stuff happens. Mm. I, I feel like that's gonna be that's gonna leak out before anything. I feel like there whatever. I think Kevin already knows what he's gonna go right into, and we don't we don't know what it is, but I think he does. And I think he already has a game plan of when that's going to happen. <clears throat> and I think that's going to get leaked out mid about, I'd say middle of this year. And we're going to lose our minds, whatever it is, because it's going to be crazy. And I, I just don't think it's going to be X-Men. I'm going to predict now that it's not going to be X-Men. I don't even know if it's going to be Fantastic Four. Look, you I got don't... Adam McKay saying he wants to make a Silver Surfer movie. Keep... Yeah. And that's a guy that Marvel wants to direct one of their movies. They tried to get him to direct Ant-Man after Edgar <laughs> Wright left, uh, but then McKay just wrote the rewrote the script with Paul Rudd. Uh, they talked to him about Inhumans. They've talked to him before about other projects, but the one project he really wants to do is Silver Surfer, if any of you have seen Vice, there's a Galactus cameo in Vice in the Dick Cheney movie. There's a Galactus cameo. That's granted, insane. it's just a comic book panel, but it's in there. So, like, this is a guy who is a legit fan of this stuff. He's a great filmmaker. He's an Oscar-winning screenwriter. And so, if this guy wants to make a Silver Surfer movie, then by all means, let him make a Silver Surfer movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now that Marvel. Uh, will have access to this character. Because, yeah, the the Disney Fox stuff, the first step will be the announcement that all the regulatory re- approvals are in and the deal is going to close. That's the first announcement that will come. And we know as soon as that happens, Marvel Studios has access to all this stuff. I agree with you, Paul. I think Kevin Feige, kind of like Spider-Man, he didn't know when he was going to be able to do it, but he still had a general idea in his head of what he wanted to do with Spider-Man if he ever had the ability and I think it's the same thing with the Fox stuff with some of the and I'm not saying for every single character because it's hundreds of characters in this particular yeah. license, but he's probably got some ideas of what he would want to do with the X-Men, what he would want to do with the FF, what he might want to do with some of the other characters. Again, 
like Silver Surfer. Um, so I don't know if everything will have a firm, detailed plan by the middle of this year, because I do believe that Marvel Studios has been legitimately busy with other stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, there's only so much they're legally even able to do as far as formal planning. In fact, they can't really do formal planning for characters they don't own the rights to yet. So and there's only so much they could have done. So we might get things ramped up. I don't think we'll get like a whole slate of stuff that involves a ton of Fox projects. But it wouldn't surprise me if one of the films, you know, when they announce, I think they'll we'll know by the end of this year what's coming. We'll definitely know what's coming through the end of 2021. I think there's a chance we know what's coming through 2022, maybe some stuff in 2023. Um, but the farther we go into the slate that we're going to learn about this year, I do think towards the back end, one of those films might be the first Fox, you know, the, the first character previously Agreed. on Fox who's getting their own movie. Yeah, I it would it surprise me if they announce a Silver Surfer before Fantastic Four? No, because he to be honest, that's the one property that we haven't seen a movie in. Well, when they showed up in FF, Galactus and Silver Surfer were already a thing. Like Silver Surfer was already the mm-hmm. Herald of Galactus. So their story starts before they meet the Fantastic Four. Exactly. So you can totally mm-hmm. do that story before yep. FF. Yeah, and so I feel like that's the one thing, and I still feel like I have. No, I have. Re, I haven't rewatched and, Rise of the Silver and, Surfer. And anybody, anybody who's read a lot of Silver Surfer comics, like that character is perfectly fine on his own. He yeah, does not he, need to be a supporting player for the FF or anybody else. Those '90s comics are great, man. I've read yeah, a ton are. of them, and they're and they're and they're not like you know they're not like the, you know monu- like groundbreaking, but they're just they're fun. Awesome. Yeah, they're fun <laughs> stories and. A Galactic, I mean, you could do a lot without, I mean, without Fantastic Four. You don't need to have them together in order to introduce them. It works. It helps because, you know, the, that that story, how he gets first introduced is, is, is a legendary and classic. But you don't need it. And I feel like you could do a really cool cosmic adventure story with Galactus and, Galactus and Silver Surfer. And, even, and again, have maybe some guest appearances from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, You know, there's lots of cool stuff you could do with that character and with the, you know, but again, but it's, even who a, knows? yeah, but it's even a great way to differentiate Galactus from Thanos. If exactly. you, rather than having him come in and be a massive threat to the FF or the Avengers or whatever, and just looks like, here's the new Thanos. Here's the big cosmic guy that we have to worry about. If it's a more character driven piece with more of a one-on-one relationship between Galactus and Silver Surfer that actually explains what the comics do and that Galactus is actually necessary. Like, it sucks Mm -hmm. if he has to consume Earth, but he does have to consume planets. It's something that has to happen. Uh, And so if you can actually explore that and define that in a way that shows that this is very different from Thanos, and I think it might actually be... uh, I don't know if easier is the right word, but it might be a more effective way of doing it if you can explore mm-hmm. that uh, in much greater detail in a Silver Surfer movie as opposed to you know Galactus versus the FF or Avengers. There is a speaking of Galactus. If we, and I'm kind of hoping they do something with Galactus. I think I think they will. I think Galactus is something they could totally do and and really bring a different aspect on if they do introduce that and somehow or it's announced that the Galactus is going to be. Um, and think about it this way. We've already gotten like big giant creatures like Sulter and, um, yeah. and Dormammu. I mean, it's been established that these people, like he can be in, uh, you know, the Celestials for God's sakes. I mean, which we should see much more of in Eternals. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but so here's the thing. There's a, if you guys are, are curious about our, what Sean just said, like, you know, Galactus is not an evil by nature character. There's a, a classic fantastic four issue um, called the Trial of Reed Richards. It's issue 262 by the legendary John Byrne. It's part of that legendary run. I, and I recommend reading the whole run by John Byrne of Fantastic Four. In fact, if Faggy's going to make a Fantastic Four movie, he has to read, like, to me, it's like Jack and Stan are classic, but Byrne, I feel, is like on par. It's so good. Well, it'll and, be, I mean, I imagine the MCU FF will be, you know, a combination of Stan and Jack. John Byrne and, and, and some Hickman stuff too. Cause Hickman was, you know, Hickman's FF was also a really great run. So I, right. I think, it, you know, it's, it's going to be what Marvel always does. They're always going to pull from the best. Right. But this issue, if you guys are looking for a real, like just classic 
cosmic bent issue with Fantastic Four and Galactus, and kind of what Sean was saying that he he is. He it, he exists, and that's something that he can't help necessarily, right? Because by nature, that's what Galactus is. He consumes planets, and it has eternity. It's got the Watcher. It's got the Shire Empire. Mm-hmm. It's got the Kree. It's got the Scrolls. It's got Reed Richards and Chains. It's in, it's an amazing issue. It's 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 like one of the best. And so, it's a Fantastic Four issue two sixty two. Read it if you want to learn about Galactus and see the greater broader cosmic universe yeah. so anyway so i'll throw that out there yeah no galactus is the weather man he's just got to be here <laughs> like, it's just, exactly he's well part said. he's part of the cosmic balance of the right. universe you know and sometimes the weather sucks um, <laughs> well said. so what we're going to talk about on our patreon credit scene and again we do our patreon credit scenes for just a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash marvel studios news uh, we're going to talk about Vision and Scarlet Witch because now there's reports of a showrunner being attached to that. Uh, so we'll discuss that. But that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of Marvel Studios News. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you keep up with us socially, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? People can find me at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug, and also check out my other Star Wars podcast, The Saga Continues, at The Saga or excuse me, I think it's just TSC Continues or something like that. The Saga Continues, I I, uh, I always forget what the Twitter handle is, sorry, Tim and Kyle, and also Blaster Cannon, uh, at Blaster Cannon Pod, my other Star Wars podcast. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I'm so terrible at self-promotion. I oh, have a Star yeah. Wars podcast That's now right! With our pal, John Beerley. We just launched it this week. It's called Fandalorians, a Star Wars podcast for a growing galaxy. It's on iTunes, it's on Google Play. I don't know if it's on Stitcher yet, but it's in most of the places now. Uh, so make sure you check that out. The Twitter handle is at Fandalorians. We already have two episodes up. I'm actually recording another one with John the day after Paul and I are recording this episode. Uh, so, yeah, we've got plenty going on there. So, yeah, there you can hear me talking about Star Wars with the great John Beerley. And then if you just want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can do that at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 